All right, it is time for the fourth and final edition of our Sales and Marketing Game Changers mini-series. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey. All right, folks, we have made it to the end of the line. Now, you've probably been listening to the previous episodes by now, and you know that these episodes are different from what we typically do on Manufacturing Happy Hour. We've been featuring a panel of five other B2B sales and marketing experts, and in every episode so far, I have been one of the panelists, not the hosts. One of my peers has been doing that. However, today I'm actually going to be taking over hosting duties for this miniseries, so it might be a little more familiar to what you're used to here at Manufacturing Happy Hour. Now, in part four, our focus is going to be around leading your team through the new normal. So we've probably all heard about this a lot by now, but we want to get some tangible advice around this. So I'm going to give you the three things that you can expect from this episode. First and foremost, I'm going to have each panelist define what leadership has meant during this pandemic, as well as boiling down leadership to one word they think exemplifies it the most. Second, as I love doing on the show, we want to have stories. I'm going to have everyone share a story around what they've seen as a good example of leadership throughout the past six months. Then finally, to leave you with some actionable tips, I'm going to have everyone share one thing that anyone can do to step up and be a leader during these new and crazy times. As I've said every week, if you want to check out the other panelists, connect with them on LinkedIn, or get access to the other episodes, make sure to go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash gamechangers to do that. And since these episodes are very unique, if you want to give me feedback over on Twitter, you can tweet at me at MFGHappyHour, that's the handle, to share your thoughts around these episodes. To be honest, we've gotten, you know, I'm recording this the day before the episode comes out, we've gotten some pretty good feedback on this so far, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do something like this again in the future. So a big thank you to everyone that's already tuned in, everyone that's already listened, and everyone that's already given feedback. Now, I don't want to let the intro go on too long because I'm going to provide another intro to our panelists and the discussion today here in just a second so let's dive in thanks for hanging out with us during this special mini series let's get you reintroduced to the crew one last time at least for now all right it is party time well, everyone, we have made it. We have reached our fourth and final installment of our sales and marketing Game Changers web series. We've been showing up every week to share the lessons from our own collective experiences to give you the strategies, tools, and tactics you need to take your business's growth to the next level in 2020 and beyond. Today is all about leading your team in the new normal. This is a big topic, one that is certainly open to a range of perspectives, and I can't think of a more appropriate subject to end our series with. If you're just joining us for the first time or you need a quick refresher, in week one, we discussed marketing that's seen, heard, and felt, covering misconceptions around marketing, what effective marketing looks like today, and actions that you can take right now to make your sales and marketing more impactful. Then in week two, we talked about leveraging data to stop selling naked. 
We dove more to the sales side of things, covering the importance of listening, customer centricity, and tracking outcomes. Then last week, we discussed reducing risk to make sales easier. We shared our thoughts on roadblocks to sales and marketing and some very pointed tactics to reducing those barricades. Now, this week, we're here to discuss leadership. Strong leadership is more important than ever as we navigate uncharted waters. Whether you refer to it as wartime leadership or leading through uncertainty, the reality is right now we need to lead through change. So how do you do that? Well, fortunately, I'm joined by five awesome sales and marketing leaders this week to provide some perspectives on this topic. I'll be your host this week. My name's Chris Lukey. I'm an account manager by day at Rockwell Automation. And by night, I am the host of Manufacturing Happy Hour, the industrial uh, podcast where we focus on the biggest trends in manufacturing and technologies and dissect those in a simplified fashion. And in the spirit of Manufacturing Happy Hour for our intros this week, uh, I'd like to put a little twist on it. So Ben, we're going to start with you. Let's say we're kicking it over a beer at the bar. How do you describe what you do in simplest terms as if we're grabbing a drink? You know, we'll do the one-minute introduction. Thanks for introducing me, Chris. What we do is, my company is Your Brand Marketing. My name is Ben Baker. And what we do is we do two things. We do them extremely well. But they all come down to telling your story. We have a part of our company is called Podcast Host for Hire, where we create custom podcasts for our clients and the other part of it is, is teaching leaders how to lead more effectively. It's about building better leadership teams and getting them to understand how to influence people, how to gain trust, and how to communicate effectively. So people want to be engaged and people want to move forward with you. Excellent. Let's, uh, Mark Roberts, let's go next. Let's say we're kicking it over a scotch. How do you introduce yourself? Well, uh, hi, I'm Mark Roberts. Um, I've been in sales and marketing for 36 years. So I don't claim to know it all, but I've seen quite a bit. Um, my company is OTB Solutions, and that stands for Out of the Box Solutions. And what I'm known for is fixing sales problems, and that's usually if we're sitting at a uh, at a bar, I ask you to get out your your cell phone and Google the term "fix sales problems" because I'm number one in the world. Always good to be number one on that list. Let's uh, keep moving through. Ray, let's say we're kicking it over a bourbon. How do you introduce yourself and describe um, what you do? I'm going to, well, I'm assuming you're buying. Uh, and if that's the case, I'm going to say, hey, thanks for that drink. I'm Ray Giganto. I'm the, uh, I'm the manufacturing unicorn. I have a company called Lenare International. And I really help do three things. I help manufacturing companies with growth. That's uh, growth strategies and tactics, whether that's looking at diversifying the industries you're already in, going after new ones, uh, or doing some things internationally. I help with change management because the companies like Rockwell Automation that come in and bring all this awesome technology that, uh, that companies can take advantage of, I help them translate that uh, onto their factory floors so the, as it impacts their workers, they really get the most out of that technology. And the, the third area I help companies with is just an overall performance management. Once you've, once you've got data, you better bring some, some transparency uh, and you better drive some accountability and that's how you get some results. So uh, that's my day job when I'm, when I'm not doing that. My passion project is the uh, Manufacturing Out Loud, MFG Out Loud podcast with my good friend and mentor, Allison DeFord. And uh, we rock it every week talking about having courageous conversations uh, for manufacturers to help them grow. So I'm about ready for another bourbon. You got more money? 
You know, I think we might need to do a round two. We're going to be here for an hour talking leadership this week, so I think it is a couple rounds long. And All right. funny that you funny that you bring up Allison because she's next. So, Allison, let's say we're hanging out on the back patio of the bar and we're sipping on Tito's and soda and someone comes up and asks, you know, hey, what do you do? And, you know, how do you describe that? Well, um, first of all, yeah, I'm with Ray. I hope you're buying. So thanks. <laughs> I'm running up a tab this week. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, no, I'm Allison DeFord, um, the resident trailblazer and founder at Felt Marketing. We're the only marketing retrofit company for manufacturers. And in our world, manufacturers are the hero of our story. Uh, we love them, we love to support them, and we do that by helping them retrofit their traditional marketing system, because most of our customers are over 50 years old, and we help them add digital uh, components and really modernize so that they can get to the heart of their ideal customer. Um, the best way to do that is through emotional engagement. So. You don't just want to be seen and heard, you want to be felt. Love that. And then last on our list, let's say we're popping open that bottle of wine and you're sharing your story with the table. So Mark Mitchell, how do you describe who you are and what you do when we're sipping on some wine? Great. Well, I'm Mark Mitchell uh, of Wizard Strategy. Uh, I'm a consultant to the building materials industry uh, and author of the book, Building Material Channel Marketing which has sort of become the industry Bible, mainly because there is no other book that does it. So you get to be the leader when you don't have any competition uh, in terms of at least my book. Uh, and what I focus on is I find that, so I've got a building material company and their business is either not growing fast enough, sales have plateaued, they have a new product that has failed to gain traction. Maybe they have a new competitor and they're actually seeing sales decline. If things are going if they're happy with their results, they don't come to me. They come to me when there's a challenge. And the challenge almost always is a, a, a new strategy for them designed around, are you calling on the right person? Because many times who they think is the right person, they think it's the builder, but it really should be the contractor. Or they think it's the architect, maybe in their case, it should be the owner. And then they always uh, have the wrong message. Always, you know, whether it's like, a, you know, a, as Ben brought up the sto their story, like they're, I, I'm amazed how when I sit in on sales calls or I go along on sales calls, or I actually try to sell the product to a customer, um, how the message that they're trouting out is so much about them and their product and not about the customer. So they don't really understand the customer. And if we look at what's happened in the last, the building materials industry is very slow and stubborn and resistant to change. Their customers are not. Their customers are changing like crazy, right? You know, I, uh, and so they need to understand how the customer they have today is very different than the one, one and two and three years ago, their needs, what they're interested in. And then they frequently use old school marketing efforts like trade shows and brochures or, you know, they're, they're not comfortable and up to date with the world of digital marketing, social media, SEO content, all that stuff, which is so much more cost effective than something like spending $400,000 trade show exhibit for two and a half days. So um, that's what I do. 
Awesome, Mark. Well, for those of you listening, as you can tell, we have a range of experience on this call. It's great to be with you guys for the fourth week in a row. It's a little sad that uh, it's ending like this, but hopefully not forever. But uh, before we get too nostalgic, let's dive into the conversation. So first question, we're going to set some baseline. And uh, Ben, I'm going to have you lead us off on this one. So question number one, what did leadership mean to you before the pandemic? How has leadership changed with the onset of COVID-19 or has it changed? Well, leadership has changed pre-COVID to COVID in the fact that there's a bunch of leaders out there going back to a comment that we had a long time ago about selling naked. They're actually leading naked. Um, (laughs) You had a lot of people out there that thought they were leaders that were actually managers and actually still are. The challenge is, is that these people don't have the skills to lead properly. They don't have the skills to lead remote teams. They don't have to lead the skills they need to be able to communicate effectively, to influence, to give people the the trust that they need to be able to do their jobs effectively. There's been too much micromanaging and there's not enough people sitting there going, okay, this is where we were. This is where we are. What do you as a team need to be successful? Let me listen to you to find out what your challenges are. And let me as a leader be out there going, okay, I need to be the advocate for this team. Let me be the person who can go out there and get them what the team needs to be successful. And to also let the team know, listen, this is what the objectives of the company are. This is where we're going. This is what we're trying to achieve. These are our challenges as an organization. And this is what we need from this team in order for everybody to meet their objectives. So it's a matter of being able to be that communicator. And that's what the biggest skill gap is for leadership right now, is that we have a bunch of people out there that think that they manage people, but you really only manage process and you lead people. Because leadership is a mindset. It's not a job title. Excellent answer. I love that early differentiation between leadership and management. A very important thing to throw out. As we keep rolling through this, Allison, what are your thoughts? I feel like <clears throat> for me, if you were um, the characteristics of a leader before and now are the same, but I think the thing that is different now is I think being resilient is critical being able to adapt quickly and remain focused at the same time a lot of people in manufacturing for example it's like building materials it's resistant to change uh, in many cases and a lot of people got caught with their digital pants down um, playing off of marks selling naked people were marketing naked And they, I I think if you're not a creative leader, which you need to be now, you're ignoring this fact, for example, and you're waiting for normal to come back and it's never going to. So I think that's, um, you've definitely got to be creative. And I think one of the biggest things that I've seen is I think you need to be vulnerable. And that may surprise some people listening or watching, but Brene Brown, who is, you know, an author and person that I dearly love, she has the best quote. It's vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. 
And I think the leaders that I admire and respect the most aren't afraid to admit, I don't understand or I don't know, but together we'll figure it out. Love that great theme with vulnerability, bringing that in. As we keep going, uh, next, Mark Roberts, what are your thoughts on this question? Yeah, I'd like to continue on with what Ben was sharing. Um, when business was good, I heard a lot of people saying, you know, I know we have a bunch of micromanagers and we need to make them leaders, but business is busy right now. We don't have the time. It kind of reminds me of digital marketing. It kind of reminds me of e-commerce even. You know, people wanted to invest in all these things, but hey, business was good, but then the tide went out. So from now on and forever, uh, Ben will be known as the um, leading naked guy. Um, but what we're seeing is you got to move from being a manager to being a leader today. And I think Ben did a great job of explaining that. But I'd like to add one more thing, which is coaching. Um, we really need to develop. It's a skill. Uh, don't just assume because somebody has a manager or, or a leadership role that they understand the principles of coaching and how to coach. Uh, we really, people are hungry for coaching. There was a stat, I want to say it was 60% um, of salespeople said that they would leave their organization if their manager was a poor coach. Whoa. So again, I, I think what we've seen is um, people who've adapted have become really good at communicating They've become really good at coaching and maybe to echo a little bit of what Allison said, they're being a little more vulnerable and transparent. Awesome. Let's uh, move to Mark Mitchell next on this one. Well, the uh, building materials industry is, you know, I, I look at, uh, let's say, uh, cameras and phones and, you know, companies like Yamaha and so forth. They have to be like just constantly developing new products, constantly like cannibalizing their current sales, uh, just, you know, eliminating their last year's model. Um, in the building materials industry, it tends to be about let's manage the status quo. Okay, we, we have a big expensive factory and our main thing is capacity utilization. Let's keep selling the same stuff like Henry Ford, you know, in the same color or whatever. That's how we optimize our income, lower, you know, a lower uh, manage expenses better and so forth. And so they, I look and say they're maybe 95% manage the status quo and 5% let's look at something new. And they're extremely risk averse right? That no one gets rewarded for trying something that doesn't work. Um, so they keep doing the same thing. They may talk or act like they're doing something innovative, but they don't. So I think what we've hit right now, I just read an article yesterday about how um, the coronavirus has, has forced us to change faster. And I thought it would take three to five years for building material companies to embrace e-commerce, to embrace virtual selling. They're now forced to deal with it right now. So the leader of today needs to move from 5% innovation to maybe 20. Okay. I mean, they're not, they're not going to go all in, you know, but, but they, they need to up their game. And that's the biggest thing change I see in, in, in leadership. Love that sticking with the theme of being open to change in a lot of ways that we're hearing. And then uh, we got one more, Ray, do you want to put a bow on this one for us? I, I love the comments uh, and agree with what everybody has said uh, so far. I think there are really 
key thing with with leadership is it's the the qualities that make you a good leader before versus versus now are kind of the same and everybody alluded to their uh, kind of their own, their own favorite uh, you know mixture that's in there i think uh, there's there's an interesting dynamic out there i there's there is a need for managers in organizations but i've argued for a while and anybody that's spent time on a manufacturing floor will recognize that if you're managing just to optimize your your silo uh, you're actually sub-optimizing the organization because where the slippage occurs is in the handoffs uh, to the to that next department. And if you if you read anything by Andy Grove from Intel or whatever, managers really need to be the ones breaking the ties in between uh, you know other departments so those handoffs happen more smoothly. Leaders uh, are the are the ones that, as Allison said, you know we need that level of of vulnerability, we need a level of uh, of consistency. Um, my favorite uh, view on uh, ex- a willingness to embrace change and those types of things uh, falls into a category called adaptive capacity, and that's not something that you you just break out during a crisis. Um, that's something that even when times are relatively stable, you know, those are the people that are out looking over the horizon. Yeah, business might be good and, and things are humming along, but they're looking, hey, how can we, you know, what, what are current best practices and how could I apply those to do, to do even better? And that doesn't mean at the expense of your of your company culture or your relationship with your people or uh, how you support and, and serve your clients. So um, there, I think there's there are a lot of uh, foundational rocks that are part of leadership, and there are some nuanced uh, aspects of it that really get highlighted in times of crisis. Love that. Great answers all around. Really impressed with not only focusing on, hey, some things of leadership, you know, have remained the same, but that adaptability to change, being vulnerable, consistent theme, as well as the fact that everyone seemed to answer with people not having their clothes on or leading naked, selling naked, whatever it may be. So uh, evidently our industry needs to throw uh, throw a few more garments on, but we won't dwell on that for now. We're going to dive into the next question, which is uh, what's one characteristic, one word that a leader must embody to be successful in the new normal and why? And this time, Allison, I'd love it if you'd lead us off on this one. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, Again, this answer might surprise people listening and maybe even some of you guys. I think being empathetic. It's been thrown around a lot lately, but I've been a fan of it um, and in tune with it for many years. And a lot of people confuse what empathy actually is. And it's the ability to understand and feel what others are feeling. And so I think while a lot of um, leaders may say or are saying now, oh, yeah, we're empathetic. We're an empathetic company. We, you know, we feel you. Uh, I think demonstrating it is, is, the, is a whole nother thing. So it can be, you know, if it's just lip service, don't bother. But if you're more empathetic, um, empathy leads to creativity and resilience, which I had mentioned um, a moment ago. And it has a trickle-down effect. So it affects your culture which affects your employees, which affects your customers. So if you can see if a company or leader is empathetic, 
um, because it, you know, it starts at the top and rolls downhill. And I think it's more important now than ever. And I think it requires four things because um, I thought about this. It requires awareness. You have to actually see what's going on around you and give a shit. Um, listening more than you talk. You got to ask the, the right questions and let people know that you hear them, you see them. It takes creativity and then it takes action. And, you know, I think I say this all the time and you guys are probably tired of hearing it, but connecting with people on that deeper, more emotional level, that's, that's how they make decisions anyway. So, you know, by being empathetic, you go straight there to the heart and, and connect on that more meaningful um, level. So don't just say we understand you, show it. Yeah, I think that's a great um, differentiator there because empathy does kind of have that buzzwordy aspect to it. Now you're hearing it a lot, but showing it in action versus just saying it, huge, huge point, great way to start. Uh, our next word is going to come from Mark Roberts. What do you got for us? I would say trust. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Speed of Trust by Covey, but I actually turned that into a course at one point. Um, most businesses don't even realize they have a trust tax um, prior to COVID, uh, the average was about 65% of most teams weren't engaged. Uh, they were just doing enough just to get by. So just imagine what COVID has done as some teams raced to downsize uh, to help their bottom lines. So I, I would say trust. Um, it, 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 if you focus on it, you can really improve your overall results. And, and I think it falls right in line with Allison shared, which is, you know, creativity, um, you know, being a strategic problem solver, all those things don't happen if you live in an environment of fear. Great one. Trust is huge. Glad you brought it up early. And I should say, since uh, depending on the order we're going in, if you're at the caboose on this one and you need to bust out the dictionary in case someone steals yours, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Uh, Mark Mitchell, you're going to be the caboose. Uh, ben, you're going to be right before Mark. And then Ray, you're next. So Ben and Mark, if you need to look up another word because someone stole yours, just wanted to prepare everyone. So Ray, you're up next. Yeah, go with the long-winded guy. <laughs> Where's my thesaurus when I you need it? you got all kinds of time, guys. You know, you know I, I agree. What I'm, what I'm struggling with, I, um, I vigorously agree with, uh, with what Mark and, and Allison have shared. Um, this is a tough one for one word because in, in my mind, what I struggle with, maybe this is just the operations guy in me, is, you know, yes, you absolutely have to have that, that connection with your workforce that's beyond what the org chart says or, or you know, any, any of those types of things. And there has to be, you know, the empathy and the, and the trust and those things going back and forth. There also has to be on the part of the, of the leader there has to be a, a fundamental understanding of, hey, there's, a, there's an outcome or there, there's a goal we are aiming for um, that the, the current change in the environment hasn't created a deer in the headlights moment because the most empathetic or trustworthy leader in the world that is choosing to go hide under a rock at this moment isn't isn't doing his team or the shareholders or the customers, you know, any good right now. So there there has to be kind of a, 
you know, and maybe this is a, a training thing as well, but the, the original thing that jumped into mind was, again, my favorite, my favorite word, the adaptive capacity thing. You've got to be able to cope with the environment. And there's, there's plenty of examples around there in building products. You know, I'm in Chicago, Willis Tower, at one point, one of the biggest building, tallest buildings, you know, in the world. That building is designed to flex three feet in any direction off of center line. Why? Because there was an expectation that the environment was going to change of sufficient magnitude and it must still stand and keep the people safe. So I think there's an, there's an element of, you know, within leadership implied or otherwise that you have an ability to, to adapt to your, to your environment and keep your organization safe and, and, and moving in the right direction. So. So are you saying adaptive is your, your final answer? Yes. Adaptive okay. capacity, yeah. Sorry, I dig it. No, we'll give we'll give you a little bonus word there. Lock we'll in that word. <laughs> that's, that's right, Ben and Mark. That enough time for you? <laughs> yeah, Ben. What are what are your thoughts? You're up next. What's your one word for leadership? You know, amazingly enough, nobody took it. It's humility. Um, our our book that's coming out in about a week and a half right now, a week week and a half is called Leading Beyond a Crisis: A Conversation About What's Next. And one of the big things we talk about is humility, is, is that as a leader, if you're the smartest person in the room, you have two choices. You either got to go find a better room or you got to find smarter people to fill it. And anybody who thinks as a leader that they know everything today is kidding themselves. <laughs> we are in a situation come February, March, call the date, whatever you want. When we sent everybody home, everybody was scrambling. Everybody was shaking their head. Nobody had a real plan. We all had guesses. We all had, you know, there might have been, uh, you know, strategic plans that we were saying in crisis mode, what do you do? But everything needed to be adapted. And everybody was sitting there going, well, that didn't work. What do we do now? And I heard that time and time and time again. And from the same people who tried things and this didn't work and tried this and that didn't work and tried this and that didn't work. And that's okay. We need as leaders to realize that we're not perfect human beings and we're not all seeing and we're not all knowing. And we need to look at the people that we lead and get their wisdom. We need to sit there and say, we hired these people for a reason. We brought them on board for a reason. They all have skill sets. They all have knowledge. They all have experience that they're coming to the table with. It's not a horrible thing to sit there and say, what do you think? And then shut up and let them talk. You know, and we need to be able to aggregate that, you know, that, that joint wisdom to be able to sit there and say, okay, let's take these 10, 15, 20, 100,000 people in a room and find out what do they think. And, you know, you may not agree with some of them. You may think that other people are out to lunch. You may think that there's one brilliant thought, but it's aggregating all those thoughts together and being able to sit there and say, okay, I now have a better idea of what other people are thinking what other people think are strategic. Now I've got to take my own, you know, experience and be able to say, this is what we're going to do moving forward. You know, but if we don't listen to people, if we're not, you know, if we don't have a sense of humility, if we don't have a sense of humanity and think that we can just dictate and say, you know what, we're going this way. And that's because, and not have to explain why that's when we get disengagement. That's when we get people who don't trust us. That's when we get people that are not going to follow us. And we're not true leaders because all we're doing is trying to manage a situation from our best guess situation 
instead of leading a team and sitting there going, you know what, guys, let's work together and figure this out together. Still seeing that parallel or that difference between management and leadership there. Love that that's getting emphasized. Humility is a great one. And, uh, you know, I've heard it from a lot of the leaders that I've been having on the Manufacturing Happy Hour podcast lately, namely in terms of what you were saying, that ability to listen and not necessarily have all the answers, but take the feedback from the team and figure out where to go from there and why. Um, All right, Mark Mitchell, you have the last word of the crew. What do you got? Uh, I've taken the total opposite point of view of many of the things that I've heard here. And that the single word is confidence. That I see back in when the coronavirus back in March, we first started to realize how big it could be, locking down, things like that. Uh, I think this is my fourth recession I've been through. And each one is different. But people, I think in early March, they went, oh my gosh, this plus this equals a recession. So we have to start cut, laying off people, cutting back. Things are going to get horrible, all that stuff. It was all about assuming the worst. The 2009 recession really did affect the construction industry. Uh, but this one, the, I was amazed at. In April, I talked to people, and they said March was better than expected. Then they had a, a slow April and May, and now most of them are ahead of their sales plans ahead of you went to them last November and said, what do you plan to do in 2021? You know, I'm hearing 15, 20, one deck company I talked to the other day is 38% of sales plan. I said, Mark, we want to work with you, but the last thing we need is more business right now. <laughs> okay. And so, so I saw, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to just pick a number and say 50% of people just kind of went, this is going to be terrible. We need to hunker down. Right. And now those companies are, are playing catch up. Okay, because they're seeing like they're getting more orders than they anywhere expected. And so I think whatever happens in a in a recession, you, you need to pivot to where the opportunity is. Like if people stop buying new houses, they fix up their old ones. If they, you know, and if they stop building hotels, they remodel the old ones, right? So you may be very focused on new construction. You may need to shift to remodeling or home improvement. And uh, so I just see people... Uh, they just kind of, it's particularly companies that are, the CEO used to be this, the CFO, or they're owned by an investment company that wants to flip them in a couple of years. They're only driven by, you know, looking at spreadsheets. They really don't care about the customer. They care about, you know, how are we doing dollars and cents. And so I think that word confidence says, I'm confident that we will come through this well you know, I find most companies can actually grow because their competitors have hunkered down and they can get business from them. I've got several examples of that where companies are literally taking business from their competition because they're better meeting, they've adapted uh, quicker and faster. But they, the leader had confidence, we can do this. This is going to, it's going to make the difference where I see a lot of people are very risk averse and don't have confidence they, it's almost like that thing I think I mentioned in an earlier one. It's kind of like control your own destiny or someone else will. So they're perfectly willing to let the marketplace determine, oh, the marketplace could be down, so I guess we'll be down, which I think is stupid thinking. That's, so the word is confidence. Well, I'm glad you added that to the mix because I have to say, I feel like we have a perfect cornucopia of leadership qualities. Just a quick recap. We've got empathy, trust, uh, being adaptive 
humility and confidence. And uh, I'll add one to the mix as well. And I don't know if it's a real word. I didn't, I couldn't look it up, but I would say titleless. My, one of my biggest things around leadership is you don't need a title to lead. Anyone can step up in moments like these. And I think it goes back to the humility comment as well. When you can look at a team and say, Hey, who is stepping up to the plate right now? So that's just uh that's just my call to action to anyone out there that might not have the title, um, but certainly has the capacity to pull it off. We are just halfway mark. And, and one thing I love to do is take these words, take these lessons and put them in the context of stories so that our audience can really take away, you know, what this looks like in action. So for the next question, I'd love folks to share a story about a leader you've interacted with over the past six months that illustrates, you know, what leadership looks like. Um, and this time, Ray, I'm going to have you lead us off. Fair, fair enough. Uh, this was a great, a great topic because it really did uh, give me an opportunity to reflect back uh, and, and look at, you know, examples of, you know, who's been, who's been doing it right, um, you know, consistently, confidently, with humility, with humility uh, and those things. And there's a, uh, there's a guy I've known in the, in the Chicago area. Can we name names? Go for it. Yeah, All we're right. cool with it. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to, I want to talk about a, a guy that I, I really admire. In fact, I admire his, his family and, and what they've done with their business. Aaron Weagle is uh, what third generation the Weagle family owns a business in the Chicago area called Weagle Toolworks. And we were uh, friendly competitors that really didn't know each other when I was running another business, you know, nearby. And we would through intermediaries throw barbs at each other till we actually started talking to one another. And I, I got to know and uh, not only like, but respect uh, what Aaron and his family are, are doing with their company in particular. Just going back, uh, if we look over the last six months or the last several years, he's they're they're a business that has consistently lived their culture, and and they've lived it by it. It wasn't uh, you know a sign on the wall; it was through how they acted. Aaron, as a as a leader, uh, you know, in the organization, didn't just show up one day and all of a sudden, you know, meet the new vice president, the son of of the owner. He started as a CNC operator, like his brother did, like his sister did, you know, and they're all, you know, part of the business, but they, uh, they grew up understanding where, where and how the money was made, who the customers were, and I've always admired Aaron's ability uh, to, to constantly look, for, look out in front of the business and understand what are the trends that are influencing the customer base that I'm serving, how do I need to adapt to, to be where the puck is going to be, uh, you know, type of a thing. So there's, there has always been a willingness to invest in technology. Uh, I just found out recently, 10 years ago, these guys were having custom-made stamping presses built because they needed them to do something that you couldn't get off the shelf. But because of that, they were, it created a competitive advantage for them. Who thinks of that? You know, so they're, you know, they're doing doing those types of things, uh, diversifying their customer base, uh, forming alliances and collaboration uh, with other organizations. Long story short, what it did was put them in a remarkable position when COVID did occur, that the pivot that they had to make was very small. And, and in fact, he is still on pace to have, I know, a very strong year and continuing to invest in the business. 
So just from a leadership standpoint, someone that that really does keep an eye on all the levers, the people, the customers, the technology, the environment, and how do you optimize that equation at all times? And it's just, I, I admire what he does, and I think that's best in class. Well, as a hockey fan, that looking for where the puck is going, you know, seeing what's happened in the market, look at the trends, and adapting accordingly is, is huge. Yeah. Well, uh, Mark Mitchell, I had you do cleanup duty last time. Uh, this, so you're up next. What do you got for us on a, a story that you've seen recently? Well, I, I, I'm always uh, looking for these qualities in a leader. And so I recently had the pleasure, and I really enjoy working with leaders like this because we can actually get stuff done. Um, so, so the first thing is the leader is connected personally to customers. They're not reading research reports. They're not being told by the VP of sales. They actually have relationships with not only their biggest customers, but literally ran, they, they, they go, he, he went to the, he'd go to a trade show, stand in the booth, the CEO looking to talk to an average Schmo customer, right? <laughs> you know, it, they didn't have to be big. They didn't have to be important. They didn't have to actually buy the product from them, but he was looking for what, you know, hi, I'm CEO of, you know, this company. And I'd really like to know about what's going on with your business. What are your issues? What do you think of our products? How could we do better? You know, uh, who's doing the best job, whatever. And so he's getting firsthand knowledge that then he can use to validate what he's being told. It's not that he's trying to know more than the VP of sales, but he's just kind of trying to check the bullshit. You know, do I, is that, am I hearing the same thing? You know, are you directionally going the same way? Um, the other thing is they, um, they have a, a, a great team of people and they're thinkers rather than doers. You know, like I see marketing people go, well, I, I know Photoshop. I go, that's too bad. <laughs> you know, don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> you know, if you're the marketing director and you're Photoshopping photos for the company, you know, that you should have an outside resource that is doing that for you who will do it better. And, you know, and so they, they are surround themselves with thinkers who are, they're not afraid to have disagreements with. And the other thing they're very good at is many large companies, particularly, well, we have all companies have this, have a generation of people at 60 years old, the senior person who's more interested and they got five more years and I'm out of here than they are in changing anything. And so they're, they're good at recognizing I should like, you know, give this guy a nice package and move on. Uh, and and the larger the company get is you get, uh, you know, there's a term empty suits. I, I, someone, you know, I learned from this guy, the term peacocks. Okay. So I have a, I have seniority. I have a big title. I show up at a meeting and I listen in just enough to throw a monkey wrench into it that, that will stop it. Okay. Or delay it. Or, you know, like uh, the, uh, there's a fear of like, if this goes through, it will, that guy will get credit and I won't. So, you know, the best thing is to, you know, and so they're very good at spotting those, those people and getting them out of there. So it sends a signal to the whole team. I'm, I have very high expectations of you, but I don't want to put things in your way for enable you to do that. And the final thing they do is they are not, I'll literally say he encouraged failure. Like he would ask his, his, you know, sales and marketing people, what did you learn this week? You know, what, what, and what, you know, how did you fail and learn? 
not just tell me, you know, like, oh, we're number one on Facebook or whatever the, you know, whatever the story is, right? No, what, you know, did you, did you have the guts to try something that didn't work out? And what was that? Because you, you may have four of those and then you're going to, the fifth one's going to be an, oh my God, change to your business. But if you don't, if you're afraid of the four, you're never going to find the fifth. So those, that's this, what I love about this guy. Good, good, full, diverse answer. I love the tie end of failure, being comfortable with failure. In fact, to use one of the words from earlier, being humble enough to learn from failure. And then just tying it back that, you know, where you started with the leader hanging out in the trade show booth, hearing from not only the big customers, but the little ones, um, the importance of listening and customer centricity in this process. So, yes. And Ben, I just gave a shout out to your word humility. So you're the next one that gets to share a story. Come come March, there was a bunch of us sitting online on different Zoom chats playing, uh, you know, uh, trade show bingo, where all of us are professional speakers and we're all sitting there looking and going, okay, how many of us are going to lose opportunities over the next few months? Within 12 hours, we're all looking going, okay, I hope we have some actual opportunities coming up in the next nine months. To 12 hours later, sitting going as God, I hope that everything that we have coming up in the next nine months gets you know gets canceled. And sure enough, within you know 72 hours, nine to 12 months of my worldwide speaking engagements and everybody I know around me were gone. And there is a guy out in Toronto that is a world-class, you know, speaker. He's in the hall of fame that has a phenomenal mastermind. It only speaks to speakers and how to be better. And, and what he did is he basically took the mastermind and turned it into a session and saying, okay, where do we go from here? And he really took the bull by the horns and spent far more time listening to people who sit there going, okay, where do we go? These are people whose entire incomes, their entire livelihood is probably gone for the next 24 months. I don't expect to be on a live stage until 2022. And I don't think pretty much anybody who speaks on a, at a decent sized stage doesn't feel that they're going to be on a stage until 2022. So the question is, what do we do? And it really came down to building a community that got together and said, all right, where do we go from here? How do we level up our virtual speaking? How do we you know, diversify our skill set? How do we move into different types of um, you know, things that we can do? And how do we pivot in order to build a new lifestyle for ourselves when we know that our, our main lifestyle, things that pay us extremely well, are gone? and may not come back. So the question is, how did everybody get to reinvent themselves? And, you know, this guy stood up and, and wasn't thinking about himself. And this is a guy that makes a lot of money, far more money than I ever will on stage. And it wasn't thinking about himself. He said, okay, I've got my five kids, but I've got my house and my wife works and we're going to do okay. And we, we may have to, you know, cut back a little bit, but we're going to be fine. And his thought was, how do I take care of the people around me? How do I make the community better? How do I enable people to work together to be able to be successful, both in the short term and the long term? And to me, that's the definition of leadership. The definition of leadership is sit there going, how do I make everybody around me more successful? Not just focus it on yourself, because when you focus in on others, when you wake up every morning and say, how do I make the people around me better? How do I give the people around me 
the opportunity to succeed, you will succeed. One way or another, you will succeed. You know, you don't have to worry about that next promotion. You don't have to worry about that title bump. You don't have to worry about that pay raise. It will come. And there's too few people out there that think that way. They're always angling for that next promotion, that next title bump, that next promotion. But if you're focused in on the people around you, if you take care of the people around you, if you make them better, people will recognize that and great things will come for you. So that's my story of leadership. You know, it, it brought up another word that we didn't bring up before, but I think, you know, we'll put it into the cornucopia of leadership qualities. Selflessness was the thing that was sticking out during uh, during that conversation, putting others first. Um, all right, great story so far. Got a couple more. So, uh, Mark Roberts, do you have a tale for us? Yeah, right when, um, you know, COVID hit, I was in conversations uh, with someone that's a leader of a company. She owns um, a manufacturing company. And... As COVID progressed, um, she took a hard look at, you know, and I, and I refer to it as doing like an MRI on your business. She looked at every one of the main business drivers and did an analysis very quickly. You know, how are we doing? And what's the current state? What, what do we need to do? And I, as you can tell, I'm a Covey fan. And, you know, uh, one of the things Covey talks about, is, you know, what are the big rocks? You know, what's the gravel and what's the sand, right? And she quickly identified the big rocks for every one of the drivers and then trusted her leaders in each one of those business segments to come up with a plan. If, if, if you needed her help, she was there for you. If you needed to hire somebody because you didn't have the skills, um, for example, their, their sales leader reached out to me and we assessed all their people. We talked to all their customers. I mean, she doubled down on finding information. Then she created a plan with everybody's input. And now we just monitor the plan. Um, when COVID hit, their business dropped about, I think it was 42%. Um, they're on pace now to have the best September in the history of their business. So uh, it was just fun to watch because it takes a lot of courage to do what she did. Um, and, and, I, and I have a lot of respect for her. Mark, I love how you always put the numbers to it. I, obviously, if people are listening, this is a podcast or they probably didn't see it, but I was doing a little fist pump there because I was pretty pretty excited about that metric when you dropped to 42, you know, by 42% and then on track to have the best September, you know, just six months after the fact. That's huge. Excellent example. Allison, take us home on this one. What's a story that you've seen recently, uh, heard recently? Well, <clears throat> I'm actually living it. And because my answer is the five of you. And the reason that I say that is I feel like you embody, each of you embodies um, several characteristics that I think are um, terribly important right now. And you've, you <clears throat> have all shown up, first of all, you've shown up and you've shown up and you've shown up to matter to the people who will care. And you're also empathetic, you are transparent, you are creative, resilient, and vulnerable. And you all go the extra mile. And so, you know, I, like Ben, uh, you know, started doing podcasts with Claire and then wrote a book during a pandemic. That's leadership, right? Um, Mark Roberts created 
new webinars, numerous, like he's a content machine. Webinars, talks, videos for his audience to really support them. Same with Chris has his extra podcast. I think he has two more, um, you know, and then volunteered to tag along with my crazy idea to do this so that we could all come together and bring information and inspiration to all the people in all of our tribes. And, you know, Ray, Mark, both of them are pulling out the stops and trying all kinds of new things and are always teaching me something new. And so my answer, I don't know, I, it may be cheesy, but I really, I thought about all the leaders that I know <clears throat> and all the stories that I've heard. And I just, all of a sudden, you guys popped into my head. And so I have to say uh, with humility and gratitude, um, for me, you five have been a tremendous support and uh, tremendous leaders through the last six months. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah, thank you. I love how we're, we're, we're throwing a little tearjerker element to all oh, of it. Right? And, uh, so getting sweet. us to tear up <laughs> here at the yeah, end of it's, it. It's so. the bourbon. I have bourbon in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, way to bring it back the manufacturing happy hour theme there, Ray. Um, so we're at the 10-minute mark, so we're closing in on the end. But with any of these, um, first, for everyone that's been listening throughout, the, whether you just showed up today or whether you've been listening to the whole series, thank you to all of you out there that have been listening and hopefully we've helped you in some way shape or form and uh to give you some final pieces of action i always like ending on some action content so last question is regardless of a person's title what's one thing anyone can do to step up and be a leader in the new normal and uh, mark mitchell i'm going to have you lead us off on this one well i see leadership where we are today is about change and you find everyone in an organization uh, is for change as long as it doesn't affect them, okay? <laughs> as long as like their job doesn't change or the, they have to do something different, you know? So you have to expect resistance to, to if you're going to be a leader, it's not going to, you can have this great idea and everybody's going to, you know, give you awards and clap and, you know, high five you. You know, you're going to have a number of people that are overtly going to, you know, object and you're going to have, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, what's the psychological term where they smile at your face, but they, uh, you know, they're really behind your back, you know, undoing what you're doing, you know, and there can be a lot of that in corporate America. So, uh, I've got two stories. One is, uh, salespeople. I see the best salespeople today are not asking permission to do something They're They'll ask forgiveness if they get busted. Okay. So I've got one salesman who recognized how the industry is moving toward building buildings and houses and factories. And he sees that as it's a small business today, but it's rapidly growing. Everything makes sense that it's going to rapidly grow. So he, you know, is making a point of being a thought leader in offsite housing uh, factory building. And, and he did ask his boss. He didn't ask permission. He started his own podcast. He writes really good content. Does he goes to the, he goes ahead and somehow gets permission to go. If they had an event, he would be there. Now he's doing it to their always part of their virtual events. He's doing that in addition to what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> he's not supposed to be doing this. I mean, they didn't say no, but they didn't say this is a target. Right. And, and, and so far, 
you know, when they kind of discovered like what's happening and, and they started to see some business, they got, what, where, this is amazing. Great. You know, but he did, he didn't wait for someone to assign him. This is what you go do. He saw it and dove in. Uh, the other thing is this is to marketing people in, in the building materials industry too often the marketing department is viewed as people that produce pretty pictures. Okay. They are doers, not thinkers. They don't add value. You don't go to them with a problem. Like how do I increase my architectural sales? I love marketing thoughts on this. They go, oh, I need a new brochure, a new PowerPoint, a new, whatever I need. Uh, and they just give them tasks to do. And so I, you know, have coached a number of frustrated marketing people and I say to them, okay, that's where you are today. Now, every time they give you a task, you go think of a better way to do it. And so when you go back into them, you bring them, here's what you asked for, but you know, I really thought about this and I think a better way, more effective way may be a way that's, let's say digital that you may not be as comfortable with or understand, but let me talk to you about why I think it would work better. And if you get a rejection, don't worry about it. Just, you know, the next time, just keep, go, keep coming back to the person that gives you a task with a better idea. And, and, and what you're learning is you have to sell your ideas. And many marketing people go in and expect if I show a pretty picture, people go, oh, wow, how creative. You know, but they're looking for thinking today about what is it going to take to make this customer pay attention to us. Um, and, and so it's, it's about that idea of take whatever position you are today, you can improve it. Now, if, after so much time, if you don't make any progress, you're probably at the wrong company. The leader doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> the leader is stuck in the past and status quo, and you need to make a decision. Do you just stop torturing yourself uh, and do what you're told, or do you, uh, maybe it's time to move on to another company that will appreciate what you offer. So that's my recommendation. Well, it certainly touched a personal note there because uh, the whole, you know, ask for forgiveness later. I wouldn't be here today had I asked for permission to do any of this podcasting stuff from the get-go. So, right. um, but enough about me, Allison. I want to hear uh, what your parting actionable advice is. My parting actionable advice is do what scares you. The reason that I say that, I mean, I think it's obvious, but um, I have had ex personally experienced more growth by doing the the shit that scares me the most and, and actually wading through it and learning and becoming unafraid of it. And so I think... Um, that goes along with what Mark was talking about, because if you, you know, don't wait for a light to appear at the end of the tunnel, stroll down there and light the bloody thing yourself. And I can't remember the person that, that said that, but I just love that. So, you know, and it goes with, you know, don't ask for permission, but put yourself out there. You know, if you, one of the, one of my favorite moments ever in 30 years with a leader, manufacturing leader. We're sitting there, we're talking about marketing, we're talking about all the tactics because we'd already done all the foundational thinking work. Thank you, Mark. And so he leaned forward and he whispered and he said, 
I really don't understand all this. It's confusing. And I looked at him and I said, thank you for saying that. Thank you for, you know, again, being vulnerable. Um, so that couldn't have been easy for him, but because he did something really simple that probably scared him, admit that you're afraid, it opened up conversations for us to, um, for me to educate him in a really kind way and uh, non-threatening and, and our work together was better because of it. So I think, uh, yeah, do what scares you. Excellent advice. We're, we're closing in on the top of the hour. So I'm going to have to change the question slightly to give the best uh, piece of advice you can give in leading in the new normal in one minute. So Ben, I'm going to have you lead us off on that one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really simple. It's embrace mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to have the team below you make mistakes. Learn from it all embrace it all, celebrate it all. You know, light bulbs were made because a thousand mistakes happened and we have light because of it. So be able to embrace mistakes and learn from them. Awesome. Awesome. Ray, what is your best uh, piece of one minute actionable advice? Speaking to the, uh, the, the CEO, president, uh, division VP, whatever it happens to be, uh, because change is what this conversation is about, and everybody's going to look uh, to what's being supported. Be honest about the challenges uh, that you're confronting. Be confident in the ability of the team to see it through to a conclusion. And be humble enough to ask for ideas and quiet enough in the back of the room. Be the last one to speak in a meeting where others are providing ideas. That was tight. That was, that was a lot in a very short period of time. <laughs> All right, so we got our closer, uh, Mark Roberts. What's, uh, what's something people can do uh, to lead in the new normal? In the new normal, we're going to have leaders emerge, and we're going to have people that are really going to struggle and probably either sell their business or, or just go under. And I think it was in the last episode I shared that I had a coffee mug at one of the companies I worked, and it said, your opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant. Um, the most important opinion today is the opinion of your customers. You take the time to get out there, understand what they're dealing with, understand the business of their business, and build your company and your structure and processes around serving them, you're going to be one of the leaders that come out of this strong. Awesome. Way to put a bow on it. And uh, thank you to everyone again that's been listening. And Mark, Mark, Ray, Allison, Ben, this has been a lot of fun. The, the past month. So thank you very much. And that is it for our four-part Game Changers mini-series. Thank you, everyone, for coming out. All right, folks, thanks for listening. That's it. That's a wrap. At least for this mini-series, you know we'll be back soon. We did cybersecurity. Now we've done sales and marketing. I'll bet there are other topics that we can be diving into, and I'd love to get your feedback on that. If you could, tweet me over on Twitter. It's kind of redundant, but you know how we roll at this point in the episode. Handle for Manufacturing Happy Hour is MFG Happy Hour on Twitter. That's actually the same on Instagram as well if you prefer to communicate there. Would love to hear what you thought of this series and what you want to hear more of in the future. In addition, if you want to connect with any of the other Game Changers on LinkedIn or access any of the other episodes, make sure to go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Game Changers. That's the easiest spot to access everything. 
And with that, happy Friday. Hope you have a great weekend. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out or whenever you're listening to it, I hope you're having a great time. And we can't wait to see you back here on Manufacturing Happy Hour real soon. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.